Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Dyslexia Life Hacks Show. I'm your host, Matthew Head, and in this episode, I'm glad to welcome back Kirsty Heap. She was first on the podcast in episode 27, where we talked about her supportive parents, getting to the point in her HR career where she needed a master's degree, and how she juggled that around having a young family as well as a full time job. Since then, she's moved on what was a side business at the time, full time, Kirsty Heap Coaching where she provides support for companies as well as individuals. I plan to make this a standalone episode, so you don't necessarily need to listen to the first episode with Kirsty. However, it will be linked in the show notes, which will be available at dyslexialifehacks.com forward slash podcast. Welcome back on the show, Kirsty. Well, good evening. Thank you for having me back. No problem at all. Well, things have changed since the last time you've been on, so it'd be interesting to catch up with how the move into business full-time is going and how that looks like as a dyslexic person. But before we get into all of that, you do a lot of running, and I wonder where your interest in running comes from. Wow, okay. Yeah, my running started years and years ago Yeah. Um, for the point of getting fit and being able to achieve goals in the sense of I'm a great one for setting myself small goals. This year, I wrote down, like I do every year, things I want to achieve. I was meant to write down, run a half marathon. I've run half marathons before. However, in this true dyslexic kind of special creative writing, that A looked like a six. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) To which, obviously, you get this. Okay, so I was like, well, that means I'm going to have to do six then, doesn't it? Yeah, you, you can't just re-edit the A, surely not. <laughs> no. But one of my friends said, well, you knew it was meant to be A, just change it. And I'm like, sorry, I thought you were my friend. I thought you meant to understand me. That's not how I work. So yeah, I can stand here at my lovely standing desk and say, I have achieved six half marathons this year. And wow, wow, don't, it gets better. Decided to throw a whole marathon in there as well. And I achieved one one of my half marathons. I set my target goal as under two hours 15. And I came in at 2.09 on my last one of those six. So I'm happy. I'm yeah. happy. I've, I've done that. Um, and my eyes are going to the left because so I've got all my medals in front of me. So, yeah, no, it's it's good. It's good for my mind. It's good for health. But what some people find hysterical is that know me is they may see me running and then talking to the phone that we all know is called Siri because ideas come to me. Oh, right. But my problem is at the I if an idea comes to me at mile two, yeah, please don't expect me to remember that at mile twenty of a training run. So I will talk to the phone and record it down. Ah, I must do that because if the windscreen of my car had ears, it'd have a lot of great ideas. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I talk to it all the time. I'm always recording little bits and bobs um, just as they come into my mind. Just It's the easier and quicker way for me to get it down. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. So I can just see you running along in something bright while yelling at your phone and people are like, who is that lady? <laughs> yeah. And you're right. It's always bright because I am the health and safety person, I say, in the running. My, my husband's a lot speedier. And I'm like, no, no, no. I run at a steady pace for many reasons. One, I want to take in what's around me. Two, I'm doing it for everybody else's benefit. I want to make sure that I'm at the back, making sure everybody's safe in front of me. And if someone's fallen over, I can stop and help. So that is my rationale for being a more steady-paced runner. <laughs> so interestingly, I thought with the running, it, when I was sort of looking at a couple of your, your Instagram posts about the running, I remembered something we talked about in episode one where you were saying that you go out for a walk every morning to clear your mind and strain it out. Do you find that the high-level physical activity also helps you as a dyslexic person in terms of getting your mind focused and setting goals and working towards that? Yes, in some ways, I'd say the high level stuff helps me better with burning off energy, burning off frustration. So if something's cheesed me off during the day, whether that be (laughs) internal, that I haven't achieved something I wanted to, I've been struggling with something, I find using that high energy stuff really good for that. Whereas the slow energy walking, that's more 
I would say I have more clarity, reflection and thinking time. When I'm running, I don't do reflection. Mm, That's mm. That It's more moving forward. I love listening to podcasts when I run as well. Um, I'm much more podcast person than music. If I'm doing like tempo work or hill sprints, I'll use music then. Yeah. But otherwise, it's podcasts that I like listening to. So you have accompanied me without knowing it <laughs> on runs. Yes. So thank you. Have I done like six half marathons without knowing it? Yeah, you have. <laughs> Maybe I should track that next time and go yeah. to You yeah. go, this is how many miles you've done this year. Yeah, and I can enter it into my phone and pretend I've done it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can imagine. So... It, that's quite a <laughs> I like the way that's quite a big goal from messing up writing in A and a six like yeah. we all do I mean handwriting is not my strongest subject but you did that this year as well as transition from your full-time corporate job in HR which you'd worked mm-hmm. quite hard to get quite high with your master's degree and everything yeah. into your coaching business full-time now I know you love the coaching and that really was something you had a passion for but what made you finally go, I'm going to transition now? Mm, that's a really good question. What was it that actually made me? It was, and I, please kind of hear me right, I was never unhappy in my HR roles. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't until I came out of them that I realised actually I wasn't at my happiest at all. Okay. And I think it was the fact of with the HR I was doing, there was a large percentage of it that was very, it was the negative side of HR. You know, your capabilities, your redundancies, your disciplinaries, all of that. That's, yes, I can do it. That's not my natural drive. It's not my natural empathy and wanting to, I want to help people not in that way, kind of chastise them for things. So I think it was a case of, in a way, wearing down. That's the, what I want to say is the HR element was wearing me down. I was losing who I was. And as I was getting older, I was realising there were far more other elements of life I wanted to do, other goals I wanted to experience. And it was as if there was this burning desire inside of me going, what could be? What could you do? And if you'd kind of... Probably even four or five years ago, if you'd said, huh, you'll be self-employed running your own business, I would have laughed and gone, <laughs> not a chance. I like the security of a company. I like having my you know, sick pay, my pension, all of those things. <laughs> but yet, I'm happier now than what I've ever been. And you know, I still pay into my private pension. I, I've got insurance in case anything did happen because of sickness. I've, I've created the support strategies I needed to make me feel comfortable with that transition. And that transition had to be done at a speed that I was comfortable with, which is why I went from full-time HR, compressed the hours, four days, three days, Uh handed in my notice. And then my notice period was, I think, three months. And in that period of time, I took holiday one day a week. (laughs) So I kind of did two days and then did that, that big jump. And it still felt like a big jump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I can imagine. But it's quite it's quite nice that you're able to taper out of one into the other rather than like you turn up Monday morning and now you're self-employed after having a 40-hour job the week before. Yeah. And people find it hysterical. I'm still at my desk at 8 or 8.30 every morning. No, I get that. I am really meticulous about that. I finish normally around kind of half four, five. And I, and that's the way I work best. I like that routine and structure that works for me. Um, but yeah, it, it had to be tapered. There were many a conversations around the dinner table with husband going, okay, I think I actually want to do this. No, I know I want to do this. So how am I going to do this? He's self-employed as well. So there was all of that consideration of, right, we've took a, We'll have two people that self-employed. We've got five kids. We've got the mortgage. We've got the, kind of all of those other elements to play into part. And we're like, right, what is what do we need to have in place for us to feel safe? And that was what it came down to. And for me, it was kind of like, we need to be able to cover the mortgage for X amount of months. I need to be able to have that buffer there. Because 
as much as, yes, I can work well under stress, the stress has to be a positive stress. And that element of the financial bit would have been a negative stress for me, which would have set me into panic. Yes, that makes sense. That's, um, as you say, some stress can be, can drive you forward, stop procrastination or forge you, whatever you want to say. But I think the stress of not being able to keep the roof over your head would just drive you. It'd ruin the fun of doing the move, wouldn't it, for a start? Totally. And to me, that positive stress is more that kind of excitement stress that you, oh, actually doing something like public speaking. Wow, that can be stressful. But actually, it's an excitement of stress and can be really liberating, actually. Yes. Yeah. So I want to go back to that kind of middle period where you're doing Kirsty Heat coaching in the evenings and weekends. And you're sort of a month away from kind of leaving and winding down your corporate career. Because, you know, master's degree in HR, managing people, that's going to have a lot of benefits and financial and otherwise, as you've alluded Mm -hmm. to, to go with it. So it's a hell of a jump. But were you just finding that you were kind of getting through the days and then lit up in the evenings as you were talking to one of your clients and then back into the next day and then lit up in the evening again. Was that kind of where you were going? Yes, that was exactly how it was. And it was, I was me doing the coaching. Mm. And then I had to come back and put on this facade and this mask and go and do things that were still me, but they were. I was feeling disconnected from it. Yeah. It was as if I was living another person's life during the day. And I'd always been within the work scenario. I'd always worn a bit of a mask anyway. Maybe it's because of the HR element. I don't know. No, I think it probably was in the sense of I had to be seen as professional. <laughs> you know, I couldn't do my cow impression in the office. That yeah. wouldn't have been appropriate. <laughs> yeah. I think I was rena- known for how I eat raw carrots. And yes, there is a way to eat through a carrot the correct way. Um, but you know, <laughs> that's a whole different story. Okay? <laughs> but, but there were elements where the true me wasn't shown in the workplace. So actually within the coaching element, I was able to connect more with myself as well as then connecting obviously with the clients. So yeah, it was. I was a light in the evening. And flatten the day. Yeah, I can I can imagine that because I'm struggling. Like yeah, we've met each other in real life, and obviously you've done two episodes of this podcast. And I hope the listeners are getting from just even this early kind of talking that Kesty's quite a bright and bubbly and energetic character. So to see you tone, tone it down to a corporate kind of HR level, depending on what the corporation like, because corporations are changing how they do things. And don't get me wrong, I work for one, and it's not just everybody just does the same, but. You're saying you wear a mask in the office. I can't even imagine how you'd be. <laughs> yeah, and people that knew me and got to know me outside of work were like, wow, you're a different person. Mm, mm. And it, and I said, maybe that's one of the reasons why I used to walk a lot in the morning to, to go to work was one, it was also that transition. Right, come on, we need to maybe dull it down a bit. Um and don't get me wrong, there were elements of me that came in. But prime example, if I go and get stressed, I want to go outside and stand on, I was going to say grow feet, but that's not wrong. I was going to go and stand on bare grass, mm. bare grass, grass in bare feet. That's yeah, what I was trying that's... to say. <laughs> yeah. For me, the feeling of my sole of my foot and my skin against the grass is really, really soothing and grounding. Oh, interesting. Now, I will do that if I'm feeling stressed. I would do that also if I have a kind of problem I'm trying to work through. I might go and pace out on the grass. One of my offices had a grass area by it. I was caught a couple of times in bare feet and got the, what are you doing? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Being me didn't feel like what I really should say. And I was like, oh, I just needed to kick my shoes off for a minute. And I kind of was like, I'm not even going to bother explaining this to people. So it was, there were bits of me that would come out, but not the real me. Yeah, it's really interesting. And um, 
you know, 40 hour work week, there's some stats somewhere that if you work 40 hour a week, you spend more time with your work colleagues than you do your family because you're spending quite a bit of your time with your family asleep. Um, mm-hmm. And to not be you for 40 hours or eight hours a day, five days a week, must be exhausting. Yes, it was exhausting. And I actually think, in fairness to my husband, I think he probably found it a bit exhausting <laughs> because then the real me would probably be turbocharged oh, when see. he had to deal with it. <laughs> so I will come up with random ideas. <laughs> yeah. We, we were sitting down this summer and it probably got to about nine o'clock at night. I'm normally in bed, okay, just before 10. Yeah. That's my bedtime. So rock and roll. I, I, need, I need sleep. And I was getting a bit fidgety and I kind of said, should we go out for a walk? He's like, Kirsty, it's nine o'clock at night. You're in your pyjamas. I went, well, yeah. And I said, do you know, should we go walking on the hill at night through the cow field? And he's like, what, with head torches? I went, no, don't be a boring fart. Leave the head torches. We'll use the cow eyes as our light and the moon. And he's like, oh, yes. <laughs> Let's." I actually got changed out of my pyjamas. Can I just say, I did go and get changed out of them and put on some proper trousers. <laughs> but I'll just come up with these random ideas. And one, it's to use energy. Two, it's just that creative, oh, I wonder what that would be like. Well, let's go and do it. And bless, he's so patient because he will run with the ideas. Sometimes he'll pull me into check. Mm. So recently I said, should we take the kayak down out onto sea at night? And he went, Kirsty. <laughs> <laughs> that's a little bit too far with safety for my liking. And I was like, why? You're a really good swimmer. I can wear a life jacket and I can swim. It's like, no, I think, I think I'm going to make us pass on that. Yeah, I could, I could see that. That does sound like the quick way to, to get a visit from the Coast Guard. The <laughs> 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 <Any> ideas. <laughs> so, yeah, so I've refrained from that one. No, fair, fair enough. I could, I could see that, and you know, sign of a good partner. Lots of patience, but we'll, we'll, uh, we'll uh, call you out if you've gone too far. <laughs> yes, he does. He keeps me in check, so yeah. I do. It was very, very tiring for me. I think it was tiring for him, but it was mm. also frustrating for me because it was like you're just not being true to you. Yeah, yeah. And do you feel like this would have been? The same through most of your, I want to use a better word than corporate, your professional career, I guess, your employed career. Yeah, absolutely. I always, I had this picture in my head that if people knew the real me, would they still want to employ me? Would they think I'm totally kind of scatty with the ideas I have? Would they... Yeah, I have once. Okay, let's put this. I have once when I was not at senior level of an HR person, we were in an office, we were doing stationary orders. And the lady doing the stationary order looked really down. Okay, really down. And she said, do you need anything? I needed bulldog clips. I said, yeah, I do. I said, but do you know what? Let's make it fun. I'm going to act it out for you. <laughs> right. So I get down on my hands and knees, doing a British bulldog impression, moving front and back, stand up, put my hands like kind of crab clippers, to which she burst out laughing and went, bulldog clips. And I went, thank you very much, and turned on my heels. Everyone tiddled themselves laughing, and I looked at my boss, and he just had this serious face. And I was like, that's why you shouldn't be you. Oh. That's why you shouldn't be you. And he just looked and, and he, at the end of the day, we all were out for a drink and he goes, Kirsty, I have to admit that was really funny and you really lightened the mood, but I felt I had to keep the serious manager face on. Yes. Yes. And a balance of having a laugh with the team as a manager, but keeping professional. Yeah. I guess. So then when I became a manager, ah, uh, of course. Yes. That stuck. Yeah. That's stuck. You yes. can't have a laugh with your team. You can't have a laugh. You have to be seen to be professional, to be towing the line, to do things the correct way. Mm. 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 Lead by example. So, example is this. Yeah. 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 yeah I can. I can see that. I can see that. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because what do you think? Like, obviously, you're a coach now. 
neurodiversity mm-hmm. coach. And I think quite a lot of that stuff is your personality. But do you think dyslexia is rolled in there or do you think any of it's kind of a... Oh, yeah. Yeah? Go on then. 100%. That imagination. Yes. That strength yeah, of, of the imagination, the creativity, that also being able to read people. I was able to read that room, realise that memory staff was feeling really low. We had a conversation afterwards and, you know, I explored lots of that with her. But I was able to very quickly go, we need to liven this office up in a good humoured way to bring back some sort of good feelings. So, yeah, the creativity, the imagination, that problem solving, the empathy. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yeah, and it's really interesting, isn't it? Because I was sort of, I've always wondered, and it doesn't bother me anymore. It used to kind of, when I started exploring initially the dyslexia world the website set up and I was reading books and talking to people like which bit of this is my personality which bit of this is my dyslexia and I, you know it's one and the same thing to be honest like mm-hmm. <laughs> you know if i was not neurodiverse and lived my life again with everything the same it wouldn't turn out the way it is and my personality wouldn't be the way it is but it's kind of funny like that isn't it how the two tie in together and how like as you say that's creative problem solving and also your empathy to see what other people wanted that <laughs> You got on your hands and knees in the office and did an impression of a bulldog. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> hey, you've met me, so you can picture this one really yeah. Yeah, yeah, I can. I can vouch that Kirsty would definitely do that. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> so that, that dyslexia is definitely, it's plattered through my life. Mm. It is part of me. I'm part of it. And it makes my personality. But as I've shared with you before, that strand there I wanted removed for a long time. Yes. Whereas now I'm like, no, nobody's taking that because it is me. So when kind of, like you say about the personality, it's like, this is me. The parts of dyslexia and everything else, it's all mixed in. To me, it's just part of an ingredient, just like we'd make a cake. You put everything in together. You don't eat the cake and go, oh, that was the butter I could taste. That was the flour. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, you, you have a very good point there. Yes, yeah, that's a nice analogy. I'm going to borrow that one. <laughs> go for it. Apart from in my head now, I want to go, what cake do you want to be? What cake do you want to be? <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm not sorry. Absolutely not sorry, because ah. that is what the sorts of thoughts that run through my head. Yeah. And they're the sort of thoughts that run through my head within a workplace that I would be like, don't say it, don't say it, do yeah. not say it. But you think how much internal resource that is using. Mm. Like, look, I like to think of your internal and your mental resource as a finite thing. So if you're having to play somebody else in the office and you're having to jump, sort of, so we say, suppress the, if you're a cake, what cake would you be question or dancing like a bulldog or whatever else? Uh, <laughs> That's got to be like, I don't know, quarter of your brain capacity gone. And then you try to deliver on a high-level complicated job as what you do when mm-hmm. you're more senior to management. Now, that's – it's interesting, isn't it? If you're allowed to have the sparks of personality at points, how much better do you think you'd be at your job? Oh, I would have been very different in the job and I would have brought a different element to it. Um, I even, even as you're talking, I'm like – no, 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 I even dressed differently. Oh, of course, yes. So I naturally quite like bright colours and patterns. And someone, I was doing a kind of speech recently, and someone said, oh, I love the pattern on your dress. And I said, well, if you're going to do a talk, you need to stand out. But two, I'm really bad with food, and we've got eating. So if I spill it down <laughs> me, it will blend in with the pattern. And hey, actually, if you spill it, Danny, it's a great talking point. If you tried the scones, they were so good, I decided to wear it. That's not the Kirsty that you would have got in the workplace. I went for very bland colours, flattened. You know, everything had to be a bit flatter. Yes, I could see that. Yeah, it's the kind of... Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's an interesting balance of the uniform thing is all the work, I think. And even now, as companies moving away from suits and ties or whatever it used to be, business mm-hmm. casual, like be your sort of self at work. And be like, well, what does that mean? What do I have to wear? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's, that's Yeah. So it's just kind of interesting, isn't it? It'd be funny if you lived it all again, had the same career, same job, same responsibility, and progressed the same. 
mm-hmm. but without flashy personality, how you be able to shape them job differently and be how much more resource do you think you'd have had to do it? <laughs> do you know, I think in some ways I would have actually helped the companies more mm-hmm. because I would have been me. I would have come up with different ideas that I would have felt comfortable to share and I wouldn't have been worried about someone going, what? Seriously, <laughs> that's not going to work. And me get no, 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 it is. Mm. You trust me on this. Let me show you. Let I would. I think I would have brought more. So mm. actually, I did a disservice to myself as well as the companies. Yeah, and that's a really interesting kind of thought, isn't it? That actually, it's not mm. just not just doing a disservice to yourself and say, but the companies you're part of, and just. But then, as I say that, I'm like, ah. Oh, but then, does that mean the companies I worked for were not the right companies for me? Yes, yes, yeah, and that, that could have been it. It most definitely could have been, and that's another interesting way of looking at it, isn't it? It's something in the confidence comes with age, isn't it? Like, mm-hmm. you know, I've been setting job interviews, and they're, they're grilling me on something, and I've mentioned be dyslexic, and I was like, "You're just not a place I want to work for anymore." <laughs> like, yeah, and you know, I had a client recently talking about job interviews. They were, we had this whole conversation about you yeah, disclosure. Do you disclose? Yes. Why disclose all of this? And he came back from the interview and he had chat and he went, I got it. I said, what do you mean you got it? He said, not talking about the job because I was like, you've literally just finished your interview here. Um, he's like, <laughs> no, I've got how to put it in. They asked me about my strengths. Yes. <laughs> and I just put it in and said, oh, yeah, one of my strengths is problem solving. That's just one of my dyslexic strengths. Bah, 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 bah. He said, I just dropped it in. It was like, Boom. <laughs> he said, that's how I felt it was. And they just glanced over, but then someone picked it up and said, oh, wow, how do you feel that's enhanced your career? Da, 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 da. And I was like, okay. It's um, framing, isn't it? Um, yeah. If you ever sort of read about like how to hold conversation frames and stuff like that, where you can, you can say the same thing four different ways, but actually the way that person said it is holding the frame as dyslexia is this positive thing and strengths are because of this. And then because they own the frame and how this is looked at, the person that responds in that way rather than twisting it some other way. Yeah. And that's where I think it all comes down to, and I've done a lot of thinking about this, of when I was a child, how it was described to me, this learning disability, this disorder. Yes. Yes. No, it's a way of thinking. You've got a unique way of thinking. You just process things in a different way, in a special way. I wouldn't have gone away thinking I'm the odd one out. What's wrong with me? I would have gone away more going, oh, okay. I'm seeing things and I just see things in a different way. We're all different. So I think the way it's described and explained at diagnosis actually has a real weight to it. going on. Definitely. I mean, the negative language does not help anybody with anything, does it? Like, no. You know, the dyslexic strength is better rather than deficit disorder, condition, whatever you want to say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> okay, so let's step forward in this journey now. And we, you've sort of transitioned to full-time. Now, mm-hmm. we spoke obviously earlier on in the episode about some of the stuff, making sure your mortgage is covered. You had your husband mm-hmm. lean on who already works for themselves. So you've got that kind of person who's been there and done that and can tell you, all the boring stuff like that, settling me to company up and all that fun and games. Um, but there's got to be a point where you're like, right, I'm all in now. I'm no longer in HR. Obviously, there is that little bit of safety net that you have the skills and the experience and it's recent enough that you could go and apply for another HR role tomorrow and likely get one if you were desperate. So there's always that bit of safety net of having a good, good career and a good qualification behind you. Mm-hmm. But how did that sort of first few weeks feel? Um, were you just excited about how you grow the company or was there a little bit of scary? I'm often thinking if somebody's listening now and they're like, oh my God, what happens in the first few weeks and days? <laughs> For me, it was I'd planned it out so much in advance because mm. I do like planning and organisation. So, you know, full transparency, I started by having associate roles with other companies. So I'd already got some connections. So for me, it was about saying to those companies, I've got more availability. Have you got mm. any more clients? 
which one straight away increased that kind of flow coming in. It was then about looking at you know, how I could grow the business myself. And I, I smile because I kind of think back to my calendar and it was literally social media posts. Make sure you do your accounts weekly because I was kind of like, these are all the things you need to think about. And it would all be in my calendar. So then there was never that, ooh, what am I going to do? I was never going to be twiddling my thumbs. Mm. Um, I was going to say I'm not a twiddling thumb person, but I'm sure I could. Yeah, I can twiddle my thumbs. Um, but yeah, I'm not someone when there's never a gap in my diary because I will fill it with something that I want to do, whether it be I want to read something, write a blog, create those social media posts. Oh, how about looking at what sort of packages, the website, the list just went on and on. Connections on LinkedIn, finding out who I'm connected to, who are they? (laughs) What are they doing? I'm naturally a really inquisitive person. So I want to know about these connections. I don't want them just to be a name on there. I want Mm. to get to know people. So for me, a lot of those first few weeks were about getting to know people Connecting with other coaches as well, because part of it I was concerned about was being isolated. Ah. Of that self-employment, being on my own. Yeah. Yes, I'd have clients to talk to, but my clients, I'm there to listen to my clients. I'm not there to go, oh, what do you think these social media posts should look like? Yeah. yeah. That's not what I do. So having other people to bounce ideas off, and kind of create some connections was really important to me. And I got to know some people locally that are self-employed in a different sort of remit to what I do. But that still meant we could go for a walk and talk about business things. That's really and that I found really helpful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because I guess that's one of the things you'd miss having been in employment where you're in a team and you have the talk and like... And to do something today, I'd worked out a calculation for something. And it's like, you just lean over to your colleague next to you, like, can you sanity check this for me? Where if you're on your own, it's your own business, you, you can't do that. No, the wall's no good at sanity checking. <laughs> the wall, can you do it? No, it says black nothing. Well, no, it's terrible for that, isn't it? <laughs> Even though I, I, I often talk to the wall because I do find the wall replies because I reply to myself. But that's one of my <laughs> strategies, honestly, is I call it talking to the wall. Because if I don't know how to do something, I'll be like, wall. What do you think we should do? Well, what is it you're wanting to do, Kirsty? And I will answer myself and have this into this dialogue. <laughs> yes. Because it then helps me work out what I'm trying to get at, what the problem is, what the solution could be, or if I'm trying to say something, what it is I'm trying to get at. Yes, I, I can I can see that. The mind boggles of what voice you pull for the wall, but <laughs> but I can I can see that yeah, I can see how that works. And <laughs> I don't talk to the wall, but I would have verbalized things out loud. See, it's really weird, isn't it? Um, how having things in the air around you, sometimes you can just hear stuff that you can't with it walk, running around in your internal kind of voice, so to speak. There is, there is something, and I can't remember it because I'm, I'm, I'm going to tactfully blame my dyslexic memory on that. Okay. Uh, okay. But, but there is something that actually verbalizing it out loud, it get, the process of it going through the brain. And us having to actually work out the sound and the words we want to use can help us then hear it, answer it. So there is actually a reason why, oh. a psycholog- not a psychological, a scientific reason why it can help us. Oh, interesting. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so, so maybe talking to the wall is the best strategy. <laughs> Whether it's talking to the wall, talking out loud, however it is, if it helps us, what does it matter? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, that is a very good point. That yeah. Whatever works, works, doesn't it? Yeah. And I think that's the thing. It's 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 I think more than often we worry about things because of actually what other people will think if they witness us do it, rather mm. than actually us doing it. Yes. Yeah. And the fact you're in an office on your own, who's look watching? Well, I'm by a window on the ground floor, so probably people outside, but I don't mind. Okay. (laughs) I'm sure I bring them a bit of joy in their life. (laughs) 
And they can't hear anyway. This double voice no. is really terrible. <laughs> no, no, no. I definitely don't talk that loud. <laughs> <laughs> but that's a really good point. Back to networking with other people, how that mm. kind of gives you, I guess, stops you rattling around in a room in your own, rattling around in your own head on stuff and how it's going. And really interesting, you said that not in the same field as yours. Is that deliberate or just happens to be what your local network looks like? But it just kind of happened, really. And I have got some coaches that I kind of connect and talk with, but I have other people mm. that aren't. And it's then kind of going to them, you know, how did you grow your business? What did you do? What sort of things did you work for you? What didn't? But what I've found is with some of them, it's been really interesting. So they're like, wow, you're doing things that I hadn't, that I hadn't even considered doing or you're doing things that I'm only now feeling comfortable to do. And I've been self-employed for three, four years. So it's quite interesting to see how everybody's at a different point in their journey. Everyone does it a slightly different way. But for me, that was also really comforting of going, yeah, I think at one person I was like, oh, have you connected with the Chambers of Commerce? How did you find that worked? So having that sort of dialogue to explore different options you know, networking as a whole, you know, I think I've been to one online networking group actually in that time because my time's been, it's it's just snowballed. It is just snowballed in a beautiful way of clients coming in through the associate ways, direct clients' inquiries coming in, direct pieces of work coming in. It's just naturally and organically grown. Mm. Yeah, yeah. One thing about your coaching, did you, I know, obviously when we talked in episode one, you've done a lot of coaching managers as a kind of, not the core of your HR job, but you realised it was something you do more and more often in your HR job and you obviously could get learning through that. Did you do any other learning outside of work for when you started your, so what sort of thing did you do? I'm really curious. Um, okay, so I did a coaching course. So I did a coaching course and I spent about 18 months doing that where it covered um, kind of coaching in general. It covered NLP. It covered emotional tapping as well. And I'm now, because I'm a great believer in I want to have that credibility and support from kind of like the ICF, I'm going through my PCC accreditation at the moment because I like to have certificates or the kind of stamp to say yes she is a certified coach she knows what she's talking about to me that's really important and for me that's really important because I want to also grow that connection with the companies and that's just a personal thing for me yeah I like to do that yeah because I'm really curious because me see coaching in general like in this social media world has got it's become quite a big thing recently hasn't it and I was kind of curious what you do short of, hey, I kind of know some stuff about this. <laughs> yeah, and some people feel comfortable doing that sort of thing. For me, I'm not that sort of person. I've never been the sort of person that will go, oh, do you know what? Let's tiddle playing on cars you know, th- because I might be able to follow a YouTube video. That's not me. I kind of, in that way, I probably like to stay in my lane and get qualifications and feel comfortable. It is. It's about me feeling safe. It's about me feeling safe, qualified and comfortable. And that to me means I need to have training within it. Mm, mm, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really interesting. So what was the organization? You you gave the acronyms for it. What is the actual organization? Oh, okay. So to? the company I did it for is called The Click, um, okay. which is a company and it was all online. And that's what I liked was at the time, it must have been probably just before COVID or during COVID. So I was doing it online with that. Um, and they had different elements. And what I liked, though, was one of their courses was certified by the International Coaching Federation, so the ICF. So that, for me, was really important. So it's the International Coaching Federation that I'm now going through my accreditation for what's called a PCC um, accreditation, which I have to admit, I was going to say between you and me, but this really isn't between you and me. Mm, yeah, um, between me and me. Doing the exams, there is an exam that I have to do, and I've had some chat with them about accessibility. Ah. Uh, 
I will have a chat with them after I've taken the exam and passed it as to um, some suggestive comments. <laughs> Let's just put it that way, okay? Some constructive criticism, yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, cool. So now, as well as kind of all that, how has yeah. Kirsty Heap coaching changed from being a part-time business to a full-time one? Um, obviously, more clients, but have you found the extra time and not having to juggle it around jobs has allowed you to go down avenues that you wouldn't have had possible kind of interesting and for myself sort of um selfishly because obviously dyslexia life hacks is something that's done around the side of my sort of real job so to speak so i'm kind of curious how you transitioned and what you've managed to build on extra okay so it's given the way i kind of look at it is i felt like i was in a box before that box has dissipated. I feel free. My creative, my creativity has started to come back. So in the sense of there will be a children's book coming out from me, but this is going to be a children's book with a very big difference. This is more marketed for neurodiverse parents to be able to connect with their children. And I'm not going to say too much more on that one, but what I mean is those ideas of mine are coming up and I'm going, oh, I can do this. That's not, that's totally new to me. And this space of working kind of solely on my own work has given me that to then be able to explore those ideas and thoughts. And some of them I've explored and gone, nope, that's not actually going to be beneficial to people. Other times it's like, no, this is going to be beneficial, so let's take this further. So that, I would say, has probably been a real big enlightener for me. And I, you know, I've had people that have said, you shouldn't be focusing on doing things that aren't out of the business. You, know, you should be focusing on the business. It's very new. That's where you need to focus on. That's probably the worst thing to say to me. Because if I've got something that I feel really passionate about that's going to help people, if you tell me I shouldn't be focusing on it, I'm likely to actually focus on it more. It's better to go, right, this means something to you. Let's carve some time and let's work out how you can do this alongside of building the business. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. And I'm still very organized in the sense of I still my lie my clothes out the night before I go to bed. <laughs> yeah. I still do that. I still have my food plan. I still have everything in place of what I had before to help with organization. I'm trying to think how else I just feel like me. <laughs> I'm happy now. And yeah. I feel free. I feel free. I feel happy. Do I go and get nervous sometimes? Yeah. Of course I do. Um, I wouldn't say I've got nervous because of the finances. I've all, you know, that touch wood, I've been very fortunate with maybe that I've been able to keep that at the level of where I wanted it. I'm a real ladder person. Mm. I had this picture in my head, get to here, then get to the next level. And that's where, yeah, I'm standing on that first run. I've achieved where I wanted to go. Now, for me, it's about that next level. And that next level is working more directly with companies, more directly with people. It's about getting the book out there. It's about exploring other ideas to help people within the workplace, within that own self-belief, that acceptance, all of that. And that I'm all just exploring at the moment, I suppose. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I could see that. And I think... It's really interesting what you say, your creativity come back, where you know, you're no longer, you can be yourself all the time. You can even wear the clothes you want all the time. It sounds like the business is structured in such a way that you don't have to do stuff, you know, the drudgery of stuff to make it work. Like it sounds like you can just do what you need to do and you enjoy most parts of it to get it yeah. to work. And that's great. <laughs> and I don't actually think there is a part that I don't enjoy. So I enjoy doing the books. I have an accountant, but I enjoy kind of doing that element. I enjoy you know, doing social media posts. I enjoy writing blogs. I enjoy the research, the reading. All of it I enjoy. Why? Because it's stuff that I'm interested in. 
Mm. And I think, I think that's the main thing. And if I've come across things that I found hard or I haven't known how to kind of deal with things, I've reached out and asked people. Mm. Yeah. You know, when I had this book idea, I reached out to someone I knew that had written a book. I was yeah, like, right, that works. you've written a book. <laughs> yeah. Help. Yeah, that works. Yeah, just give me that kind of starting point. And that has been absolutely golden to me. I have a coach myself, I, you know, and he's been phenomenal. He's helped me a lot along that way. And he's there for me to talk through things. And I would feel I would be a real hypocrite to say I'm a coach and I don't have coaching. I don't think I'd ever be without having a coach. And in a way, actually, I've got a couple of coaches that I will use for different things. Yes. Yes. So I've got a coach that's probably more like a mentor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have a coach where I go for her for more kind of personal kind of matters and my thought process, because there are still some days where that imposter syndrome come in. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. But that's okay. We're all learning. We're all growing. It's just all part of it. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And it's really interesting having a diverse group of I don't know, coaches, mentors, whatever. Say personal staff, business staff. But you don't talk, I guess you talked something about neurobit diversity stuff as well. And uh, mm-hmm. nice to be in a position where you've got that different sort of threads to pull on if needs be. Yeah. And one thing I'd say is access to work as well has been fantastic. Okay. So access to work, government funded pop. It is there for employees, but it is there for people that are self-employed as well. And I didn't realise it was there from a self-employment basis as well. So I've been able to tap into that. And that's been fantastic because it's given me additional support within the business, not only with equipment, like my speech-to-text kind of software, but with physical support, i.e. my coach. And I have some hours that I can use with a support worker as well that then you can help me with other matters. So it's great. Yeah. No, that is really useful. And yeah, that's good to point out that actually access to work is for employees as well as the self-employed because yeah. you still need the same stuff even if it's not coming up with a laptop with a sticker of a company on it. So. And you don't have to have a formal diagnosis. Oh, yes, of course. Yes. So yes. I didn't, never had to go and give my dyslexia certificate. <laughs> <laughs> no, the stamp. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, yeah. yeah, of course. No, that's really, it's a really good part. And a few people have mentioned it before. So, um, normally we'd wind a podcast up with three rapid fire questions, but you've already answered all of them. So, oh, no have panic I? there. But does that mean I can ask you three, three <laughs> questions? <laughs> Go on then. <laughs> can I ask you, what's your favorite vegetable? It's my favorite vegetable. <laughs> um, carrots or cucumber? Cucumber vegetable? Yeah. Yes, I think so. It's yep. a cu- if, if we both decide, then yeah, this is your kind of podcast. We can decide it. <laughs> yep. What do you like most about doing the podcast? Talking to lots and lots of different people. The most, where, where I get the most enjoyment and the most energy out of the podcast is doing the interviews themselves. Like I just learned so much and there's just so many fun people to talk to who've done Really, really interesting stuff. And you get talking to somebody who you think is going to talk about one thing because they've prepped all the notes and I know what their background is, and it goes completely different direction. And that still happens. It happens, you know, within the last few episodes. Oh, my third question. I feel <laughs> like it's like my only last question. <laughs> mm. I'm looking at my medals of running. Yes. So now I want to ask, have you ever done any running events? And if so, what and when? I have not, no. Um, I I was blessed with knees that swell up as I was a teenager, so that kind of put painted playing rugby and stuff. I then, over lockdown, got into Caps to 5K and the, what is the, what's the big bit of fashion that runs around the outside of your knee? Um down the outside of your hamstrings that started playing up just as i was about to run the 5k so running is not something as a not yours 
No. no, as a six footer and over 100 kilos in weight, um, it tends to be quite rough on my lower body. So it's not my kind of sport. <laughs> Is there a sport for you that you like to play or watch? Um, I haven't played sport for a while. I, I meant motor racing. Um, yes. And I'm also a rugby fan. Yeah. So, but yeah, big do sports, obviously. My way of keeping fit, I haven't done as much recently. A little bit of swimming, but mostly lifting heavy weights. It's that kind of thing. I did I did play badminton for a lot in uni, so I should really get back to that. But yes. <laughs> oh, I could never get the smash in badminton. No, I could never quite get that. That was the one technique I was really struggling with, which is a problem when you're a male player, because that tends to be the game. <laughs> I think I see I thought you would have kind of been good at that because politely I would have thought your height would have been an advantage. It but is, but um, coordination and stuff. It's not. Actually, interesting since I did the Davis program. My coordination is a lot better. So it'd be interesting to go back to playing some stuff I used to do when I thought mm-hmm. I was just clumsy and long and awkward and see what happened there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So, Sorry, I'll, uh, I'll behave now. Are you, are you sure? <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> so what I was going to do, instead of asking three fire questions, I was, I was going to try and <laughs> be clever before you caught me out on the spot. Uh, <laughs> but I was going to say, right, sort of three things about Kirsty Heap coaching. If anybody's interested in using you or what you've learned. So first of all, what does Kirsty Heap coaching bring to the world and why do you use it? What does it bring to the world? It brings support, help and advice for somebody. And I think actually one of the misconceptions can be sometimes that I help people that are struggling with their condition. And it's not, yes, I have clients that I work on that with, but it's also about working with people that want to step their game up or achieve the next level and are very comfortable with their condition. And it's the fact of that empathy and understanding. That I would say is kind of my key point that a lot of my clients say that they like is because I get it. I get it. I would encourage people. I will ask those difficult questions to get them to that next level. And for me, it's about that connecting into somebody's why. Why do they want to actually go there? Because if I can understand that, then I can help support and encourage them to do that. So why should they use me? I'll be really honest. It's about a connection. If someone feels that I'm the right person for them, great. If they don't, that's fine. Because you have to find the right person to work with to enable you to actually achieve your kind of goals and dreams. When it comes to other things, it's about having that HR background. Actually, when it comes to like awareness training in companies, I've got that HR background. I've got the knowledge of neurodiversity. I've got the empathy and understanding. And I've got some blooming good ideas of how you companies can change things to help yourselves, <laughs> but also why. And it's not a tick box. And I'll be really blunt. I don't want to work with companies that are doing this for a tick box scenario. Yes, definitely. That's me. Yeah. Forget it. I want to work with companies that really want to actually make a difference, want to support their employees and generally want to empower them. Yeah. 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 yeah and I think that's great. And I think it's nice that you're self-employed and get the flexibility to do that, that you're in a company like, no, no, no. We're just doing this to rubber stamp everything. Let's go. I'm going to leave. Yeah. <laughs> not interested. Okay. Um, Next quick question, really. What is the thing that lights you up the most about doing custody coaching? It's those moments of joy where I go and get a voice note from a client that goes, I passed. I passed the exam maybe they've worked on. Because quite often, clients may be working in industries where they have to take professional exams. They may have failed them. So we will work Mm. on strategies to do that. And these people will be in their 40s, late 40s. They might be earlier. It's those exam scenarios. Those moments light me up. Or it's when I can see that change in the client over that course of a period of time. I'm thinking of a couple of clients. And one client, we came to the end of the session, you know, the period of working together. We'd worked together probably about 10 months. And she was like, thank you for making me be a better mother. Oh, wow. And I was like, what? Yeah, yeah. Where did that come from? And she was like, I cannot explain to you what a transition you've made to my home life as well as my work because I'm calmer. 
I understand myself more. I have more patience. I love myself more. Therefore, I'm a better mother to my kids and my kids have noticed. And that to me, that's actually going me, that to me was golden. Yes. Because knowing that I'd helped someone and it had that impact was just, I was just so happy for them. And I get my enjoyment for watching other people succeed. And that's why, actually, I'm a bloody good cheerleader. <laughs> <laughs> Both my both my siblings have represented their country for sport. Oh, I'm wow. the only one out of the three of us that haven't. And do you know what? That's okay because I can support and I can cheer people on. And it's all about knowing your strengths. I know my strengths. Yes. Wow. Yes, definitely. Okay. The final thing I want to ask you about it is what is the thing that has most caught you by surprise? What with business? Yes, and Kirsty coaching in general. What? What is the thing that's most caught me by surprise? I'm going to actually say finding me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is been finding me. I, I didn't realise I had been suppressed as much as what I had. Mm. Mm. So actually, finding me. And bringing me to the forefront without shame, without, there's been no, I'm me, I'm me, I'm here. That's it. Yeah. I'm me. I thought that when we were talking earlier on and you you were looking back in retrospect compared to your your employed career and it's like, wow, you know, clearly it's something that you realised after the fact. (laughs) Yeah. So it is, I think, and that has been the biggest surprise because as much as, yes, within coaching sessions, I can be calm, I can do all that, and I enjoy doing that, it is being me. It's just, oh, I was going to say, I was going to say it's being naked and being me because I was wearing a mask, but please, I do not do naked coaching. That's not where I'm at. Um, <laughs> I do wear clothes. But it's, it's that. It's, okay. <laughs> it's that. It's that naked in the sense of I am me. Yeah. I'm not yeah. having to wear somebody else's clothes, pretend to be something else. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And being yourself is one of the most important things in life, really, isn't it? You probably get you get more enjoyment out of it and you probably do a better job for your clients as well. Yeah. And my children have noticed a difference. Really? Because I got a message from one of my yo, know, from one of the boys, my son recently. And it said, Mum, I want to tell you how proud I am of you. For doing what you do, I can see how happy you are and I can see how passionate you are. And that makes me really proud of you. And I was like, thank you. That to me meant the world because it's that leading by example as well. Um, You know, he's 20, he's at university. And I've had the other girls and some, they've all kind of said how proud they are of me of doing it. And they can see how happy I am. Yeah, yeah. Got one life. Be happy. Yes, yes. Okay, well, that just leaves me to, well, thank you for coming on the podcast. And before we sign off, where can people find you? And is there anything else you'd like to add? You can find me at kirstaheat.com. You can find me on LinkedIn, Instagram. If you want to find me, you will find me. (laughs) There's always a way. (laughs) And though I think it's that the one thing I'd want to say is if you've got a goal that keeps niggling at you, don't suppress it. Bring it to the surface, look at it, explore it, go for it. Don't regret not doing things and exploring opportunities. Yes, very well put. Also, don't write an A that looks like a six. No. (laughs) <laughs> and luck, it wasn't an eight, though, wasn't it? <laughs> but then again, with the amount of kind of training runs I had to do for the marathon, I hate to think how many half marathons I run this year. Wow, yeah. Yes, of course, there is that. But well, it's the medals that I counted on those. Yes, yes. Cool. Right, well, I want to thank you very much for taking the time to come on the show again. And it's been really fun to catch up and to hear the difference in this phase of life compared to the last time. I encourage people to go and listen to the previous episode and you can compare them back to back. 
thank you for coming on absolute pleasure no problem and i want to thank everybody else for taking the time to listen and i will speak to you in the next episode goodbye for now